I have had the same earrings on for the entire playoff run, and I'm not taking them off. Welcome to the official Run to Remember Memorial Marathon podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Fairs, and we have an exciting lineup of guests this week. You'll meet Sarah Sherman Taylor. She's the wife of Cincinnati Bengals coach, Zach Taylor, the sister-in-law of our very own Marathon Operations Director, Quincy Taylor. And she's gearing up for a big Super Bowl game this weekend. Plus, Christy Thomas and Carly Dobb of Wahoo Running talk about their online community of runners. Justice Noma Gurich weighs in on course traditions in Jefferson Park. And you'll hear from the Marathon's medical directors. It's gonna be a great show, so let's get started. The official Run to Remember Memorial Marathon podcast is sponsored and produced by Knox Studios, a creative studio and production partner for the modern media age. The 2022 OKC Memorial Marathon takes place the weekend of April 22nd through the 24th. Visit okcmarathon.com to register to run or volunteer. We'll start the show off with race director, Carrie Watkins. Well, hello, I'm here with two great doctors, Dr. Tom Coniglione and Dr. Brian Coleman. Just happy to have you guys here today. Dr. Tom has been our race medical doctor for 22 years, so been a great part of our team, and Dr. Coleman has been a part of that team as well. But you, Dr. Tom, are ready to pull back a little bit and pass off some stuff, but you're still going to be around, and we're really grateful, A, for all you've done, and B, for not running away when you could have many times. And really just for your incredible work through the years of keeping people running and taped up and moving and the work you've done on Saturday mornings and races. I mean, it's kind of unprecedented, Dr. Tom. It's just a passion of love. It's runners. They're all my friends. I like being with them, like running with them and working with them. So it's really easy. It's not work at all. Dr. Thomas, you were at the emergency room at St. Anthony on April 19th, and you coordinated a lot of that And so for you to work both ends of this story is remarkable in itself. you want to reflect on that just a little bit? Well, April 19th, 1995, I was at St. Anthony Hospital, essentially the chief medical officer, and I was responsible for coordinating all the care that was done at St. Anthony that day. I think that day we treated 500, and the staff did a fabulous job. It's the same thing with the marathon. We have a wonderful staff. The staff know what they're supposed to do. They adapt to the circumstances. And that's why I think we've been so successful at the marathon for so many years. Well, one thing about your medical volunteers is very similar to April 19, 1995, where people came together. You have people in that medical tent from all of the competitor hospitals all around the metro area. But you're just one team that day. And that's a really remarkable story that a lot of cities don't benefit from. We're all there for the same reason. It doesn't matter the hospitals where we work, the kind of work we do. We all come together because we're part of the marathon medical team. And that's to serve the marathon, serve the community, and serve the athletes. That's really remarkable. And you've, you've done some remarkable work. Not one runner has died on the course, which is something most marathons can't claim. And that's in great part to your leadership and the work you've done. I think a lot of it is preparation and a lot of it is fortune. We've had tremendous support from the entire marathon community. But again, it's the experience of the staff and their ability to do what they need to do to take care of the athletes. So introduce us to your buddy here, Dr. Coleman. Dr. Coleman, he was a physician, 
on the staff of the OU Medical Center, and he started to volunteer with us in 2003. He liked the event so much that in 2005, he ran his first marathon. Since then, he's run about 75 marathons, if you can believe that. He's currently on a streak to run in every state, and he has run 48 states marathons. He's missing Hawaii and Alaska. He will soon join a very small, very elite club of people who've run a marathon in every state. Absolutely remarkable. Remarkable. Every year he's been with us, he's either run the full or the half, and then he's worked at the marathon. Dr. Coleman is in charge of training physicians in sports medicine at the OU Medical Center. Being a professor at the medical school, he's also on a number of national committees. He's received national recognition for the work he's done. And most importantly, he knows every sports-trained physician in the state of Oklahoma because he trained them. We're really lucky to have him and have him willing to step up and supervise all of the medical care that goes on at the marathon. So, Dr. Coleman, welcome. Thank you very much. And thank you, Dr. Tom, for that very elaborate introduction. I appreciate it. But I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to join a team. I'm not going to change what I do a whole lot other than just shift over one spot in the tent and continue seeing if I can live up to the shoes you've filled across the city. Every Brenner in this city knows Dr. Tom, and I just look forward to continuing to work with you and in the tent. Well, you know, Brian, Dr. Tom came to Jordan I, a couple of years ago and said, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching a big birthday. It's time for me to start thinking about retiring. And we were in complete denial, I have to say. And we think the first year we just ignored it. I mean, we were gracious about it, but we were in denial. And then he's like, I'm kind of serious about this. And then COVID happened and that changed all of our world. But Dr. Tom has been a great sport and I know he, he'll be around for a long time. But the fact that I'm sitting here with two great doctors who work on runners is remarkable that we have such great talent here. But what would you tell runners who are listening today? Of What tips would you guys give to runners? Well, the tip to the first time half marathoner or marathoner is very different than the tip to the experienced runner. The experienced runner knows how to do this. He knows how to prepare. He knows how to run. He knows how far he should be running, how many days a week he should be running. He's learned that. In addition, his body has learned how to do this. The novice is excited. All he wants to do is get out there and run. And novices tend to run too far. They run too fast. They run too many times a week. They do things other than run, like they do CrossFit and some of these other really vigorous activities. And the novice is more likely to get hurt than the experienced runner. So it's the novice who needs to learn how to do this. And my advice to beginning runners, don't be in a hurry. Get with a group, any group, and run with people who run your speed and take your time. You're going to get there. You don't have to get there yesterday. Get there tomorrow. I think that's the way to keep from getting hurt. Perhaps Dr. Coleman has other suggestions. No, I I think you're spot on. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. The main reason people get hurt when they start running is too much, too fast, or too soon. They either ramp up their distance too much, or they decide they want to go too fast too quickly, or they do it all too soon. And I think that's hard to do as a new runner, because every day you can feel a little bit better and you're feeling faster. 
But then if you get really excited about that and, and try to keep ramping up, you can hurt yourself doing that. And, and then it just sets you back a little further. And one thing I wanted to, I know it's kind of off this topic, but you mentioned the physicians that, that we've been privileged to work with and have work in our tent. And I think that's something that is unique to our marathon. Just like Carrie mentioned, we have physicians from every hospital system in the city that come from basically all over the state. And we also have some really elite physician runners in our community that lend an ear to us. Kat Lyles, who's a four-time champion. Her husband is a physician in sports medicine as well. And we're going to hear from Kat in a, in a future podcast as well. Yeah. So we're really lucky in our community that we have some really good runners that are also physicians. I mean, you really do pull in from statewide. and You have a really robust ER set up at the finish line, I would say. One of the most remarkable I've seen. We've looked at Boston's. We've looked at Chicago's. You guys do it better than anyone I've seen. So if a runner is on the course and experiences an injury, what can they expect to find as far as help? And you guys do such a great job of getting those people back on the course as, as many times as you can. We have a dozen medical tents, athletic trainers. We'll deal with whatever your problem is right there on the spot if they can. And they'll try to get you patched up and back on the road. And then if you get back on the road and you have a problem, there are all of the EMTs on bicycles. I think we were the first marathon in the country to have emergency medical technicians on bicycles. So if you make it past the medical tent and you're out there and you're feeling bad, there's always someone on a bike near you. You can stop and they will help you. And you do a follow-up with some of those patients who've been in the tent, which has always been a remarkable touch that we give our runners. Our feeling is that if you get sick at our event, we're not just going to take care of you, but we want to be certain that you do fine after you leave us. It's common for us to track people down just to make sure that they've made contact with a medical care provider or that they've recovered from whatever their difficulty was. Those are some really positive memories because what we've done is we've asked them things and, and we've quoted some of the things that they've said to us and we've sent them emails. Learned a lot from them. We've learned a lot from them and the satisfaction that they've had at our, our event and knowing someone really cares about what happened to them gives them a very positive experience and, and helps them identify with our race as one of their favorite races. One of the things you did, Dr. Tom, I think after Boston, you brought in the trauma team from OU to be ready should anything happen, which was a remarkable vision that you had. Well, in 2013, we had the Boston Marathon bombing. That took all of us by surprise. Boston was not prepared for it, and that was two weeks before our event. And it created this panic because, God forbid, something like that happened here. We were not prepared. So within that two-week window, we were able to mobilize the trauma team from the OU Medical Center, and now they are a fixture in our marathon. We have a trauma team at our races. I don't know if very many other folks that do that. And I don't know of anybody who could do that within two weeks. Yeah, it was incredible. 
So if we haven't scared you off, Dr. Coleman, and you've seen it along the way, but what made you want to say yes to this and step up? As we talked about, you're not replacing Dr. Tom, but you're just joining in and kind of right. putting the icing and, on the cake. And that's a good question. After listening to him today, I'm a you're, little you're, more you're anxious than I was chair, an hour ago. <laughs> a little more anxious about it than I was an hour ago, but I've enjoyed being in the tent every single year, and it, it, it's a way that I've been able to give back. I look forward to continuing that and, and using it as a service role in the community. I think our marathon is one of the most special ones, and I look forward to seeing how we can continue expanding and making it work more smoothly. Well, you guys are both great examples of the Oklahoma Standard, which we saw in 1995. We continue to see it today, and in the role of the medical world has played the last couple of years has been astounding and yet they still come and help and give back when they're exhausted and tired working through this pandemic so on behalf of the marathon and the memorial and museum let me say thank you guys for stepping up to serve it's most appreciated i know the runners have a great comfort level with knowing you're you're at the tent when they need you so thank you guys very much thank you thank you thank you all Joining me now for our training segment are Christy Thomas and Carly Dobb of Wahoo Running. Welcome, ladies. Thanks for having us. It Thank makes you. me want to say, Wahoo! That's <laughs> <laughs> <is> the purpose. <laughs> okay, so let's start by just a little bit of, of history about each of you. Christy, let's start with you. I've been running for 30 years. I had a friend from college, didn't start running till the end of my college life. I was not a college athlete, unlike Carly. And a friend just invited me to train for the Houston Marathon at the time. I lived in Houston and could barely run three miles and said yes. And so uh, we spent six months training for it and ran it. And the endurance bug bit me and became a runner just as time went on, got more and more educated about it and decided that I loved it so much that I wanted to help other people do it and inspire them. And so that's kind of how I became a runner and a running coach. Okay. And Carly, what about you? Um, I became a runner because I was a collegiate athlete. I played volleyball up in Washington State. And when I graduated from college, I thought I'm going to do the exact opposite of what volleyball is. I'm going to run a marathon, which if you know volleyball players, we don't like to run. And so I signed up for a marathon, haven't ran any miles and ran the Eugene Marathon four months later. But once again, the endurance bug bit me as well. A year later, living in Eugene, Oregon, flew out and did my second marathon at the Oklahoma City Marathon in 2013. So when I didn't even live in this state, I made it a destination race and came and ran. So what brought you to Oklahoma City? Or um, I know you're you're in Norman. I'm sorry. What brought you to Norman? My husband is um, a strength and conditioning coach for the University of Oklahoma for men's basketball. So we were with the Oregon Ducks, and then we moved to um, Oklahoma. I thought my running career would be over because you don't hear (laughs) about running with Oklahoma, but I was living in Eugene, Oregon, the mecca of of all things running. But it's kind of funny. I moved here, met Christy, and my running I've got taken an hour off of my marathon time since moving to Oklahoma, so I've become a greater runner since moving to Very impressive. <laughs> Christy, are you from Oklahoma? I am not. I actually am from—well, I grew up in Texas in the Dallas area, so I lived in Houston for 15 years, met my husband there, started having kids— I don't have any family left in Texas, and so since we were having kids, both working, decided to move towards his family, and he grew up in Norman, and so we ended up just funding a move back to Norman and created a life And here you are. And you're the co-founder of Wahoo Running. Tell me a little bit about the name. 
Well, the name has a, a rich history similar to the Memorial Marathon. I had a running buddy in Houston. Like I said, I started running there and did the Houston Marathon every year. And we ran almost daily together. And if anybody has ever experienced a running buddy, well, running expedites friendships. There's something about the shoulder-to-shoulder, elevated heart rate, the sharing of life. And for four years, ran with this one gal named Meredith. And one random Saturday afternoon, a storm rolled off the Gulf of Mexico, and she was struck by lightning in her front yard, which was obviously not foreseen. And when her husband called me and told me that she was being rushed to the hospital, I was, you know, this is a bad dream. There's no way this is possible. But she ended up dying later that night. And it was really hard for me to to run. I felt like half my body was gone. Right. <laughs> and so to put one step in front of the other, it took me a while to do that. But going backwards, one of the things that we used to do during the, the marathon or any race that we ran was we would feel ourselves getting too serious. Because as we ran together, we did get faster. And the back of the Packers, I don't know if anybody's there or has has ever run back there. There's a lot of fun being had. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I know a lot of the neighborhoods through the Oklahoma City Marathon, they do shots, they have mimosas. There's a lot of that that goes on. But as you get faster, people are more dialed into their watch and their pace, and they get more serious and more focused. And even though we were getting faster, we didn't want to lose the joy. So we just started wahooing. Anytime we would come to a pack of spectators. And so we would yell out, wahoo. And that just became our thing. And we would sign our cards to each other, you know, little notes to each other, wahoo. And then Christy, wahoo, and Meredith. And so when she died, I wanted to do something to honor her. It took me 13 years to do that, to figure out what that was. But it was starting this kids running club. I wanted kids to know running is not just a punishment that you do with whatever sport you're playing. Running can be fun and it can be a lifetime sport. Here I am now at 51 years old, and I'm still running, and I'm still striving. I'm still trying to push myself to do better, and I wanted that to be something that kids learned at an early age, and which is super important to me. So that's where Wahoo Running came from. Started as a kids' running club, and then Carly and I joined forces in 2017 and made it official and took it into the adult realm. And whether you're a kid or an adult, you need to be reminded sometimes that we are doing this for fun. Last time I checked, neither one of us are getting paychecks for running a race. (laughs) And most of the people we train aren't either. So why are you doing it if it's not for some enjoyment? So, And what a beautiful way to honor your friend and to keep her memory alive. It is. It it really, it's been bigger and better than I ever imagined that it would be. So yeah. Wow. I I feel the connection to wanting to honor people who have passed on. Sure. And that's, I mean, what the Memorial Marathon does. And so you guys are mainly an online running group. Is that correct? Yeah. So we started with most people getting training plans from us in the Norman, Oklahoma area. But then we started through social media channels. We started attracting people and say, hey, Carly, Christy, will you train me for the Eugene Marathon? Or will you train me for other marathons? We started thinking, gosh, how could we take this virtual and not just keep it close to home? Or how could we get people pick a race like Oklahoma City and get people to come have a team um, come together and race a marathon, have a happy hour afterwards, celebrate together, and then we all go back to our cities. So yeah, we do train people from all over the country. We are mostly virtual now, but in the beginning, it started just kind of Norman. Actually, I was her first case. So she's like, hey, you know, I've always wanted to coach, you know, 
adults. I've been asked a lot to do training plans. Let me train you for um, Fort Worth Marathon and let's just kind of see how this goes. And so I just had had a baby. And that's when our friendship really became strong was we trained for, you know, 12 to 16 weeks for Fort Worth and got to know each other really well. It's kind of funny. We're an unlikely duo. You know, she's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. She's 51. I'm 31. So it's been fun just we're so different, but so alike. Sure. Okay. And so you said that you will train people to come to Oklahoma City. So they're coming from other states, I assume. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we have local runners that will join us from all over the um, state of Oklahoma, but also we make it known at the beginning of the year, we pick races that we designate a Wahoo running race. Oklahoma City Marathon being our hometown marathon is always one of them. And we encourage some of our runners to come out because there's nothing like being Virtual is nice, but actually being able to be together and celebrate and do the high fives and the cheering and the celebrating with a beer afterwards is just really, really special and something that you don't always get as an adult. It's hard to find team and that kind of like that feeling of being on varsity sports in high school. Well, we're trying to give that to adults. Come play with us for a weekend, run the marathon. Also doing something hard Mm -hmm. together and that struggle of, you know, struggling together, but having your team cheer you on is a really special thing. So we'll have people coming in for this marathon from Dallas, I think also Maryland, some other places across the country. And all of our local runners will most likely do, if they're not doing Boston, we'll probably do OKC as well. And then as far as your program goes, is there a cost to join or how does your program work? We actually have um, three tiers now. There is the $19.99 a month tier, which allows you just to be a part of the team, be a part of the network, you get access to training plans. You have the opportunity to ask us questions like, hey, I got COVID because everybody pretty much does <laughs> or has, and I missed a whole week of training. How am I going to make all that up? Well, first of all, you don't. You don't make up. You keep moving forward. And, you know, you have to listen to your body. One of the things that we're seeing is people's heart rates are really hard to control when they're coming back. And so we bring that level of expertise and also feedback for them to help them train wisely and properly. At that 1999 mark, we have two professionals that are specialists in nutrition and also strength and performance, and they give feedback to our um, athletes. And then we have another tier, it's 49.99, and that gives you access to our online training platform system that will give you pacing. The one thing that we always encourage people to do is to vary their paces. Most people run too hard all the time. And we want you running really, really slow sometimes and really, really fast sometimes and sometimes in between. So this platform helps to adjust that for you. So it it makes it custom to you as the athlete versus just this is the plan. You run it however you think you should run it. And then we have one-on-one coaching at $149.99. And we just added two new coaches and they just dive into really watching your running versus waiting for you to come to them with questions. And so you do some in-person running too. We definitely do some in-person running. We have at least two times a week we run and then have coffee and food. We always try to end it with with food. Sometimes, <laughs> some time to eat and just have some fellowship. Yes. And so, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about just like specifically your Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon experience. Have you run and what capacity have you participated? I have ran the marathon three times. As I said earlier, I flew in from Eugene, Oregon when I was living in Eugene to run it with my dad. It was kind of a special thing between him and I. We thought we would do it together. My stepmom was a sub four hour marathoner and my dad and I are 
like are competitive and athletes and we're like, <laughs> surely we'll be faster than her. <laughs> so we tried two or three times on different marathons, OKC being one of them, trying to break the sub four. And I thought flying in from Eugene that OKC would be flat and an easy course. No. It is not. <laughs> and this is, I didn't study like running like I do now or marathon courses or have Chrissy to talk to. Like everything you could do wrong for marathoning, I was doing back in t- 2012 and 2013. But yeah, so that was my first experience. But I've come back for redemption. I ran it a few times and now for a while there, my marathon PR was OKC. I finally broke the sub, ran a 348. Christy was helping train me. So I've had good experiences and then my half marathons have always been awesome. Loved it, that distance. And then the course for the half is easier than the full. And also I've been on a few relay teams. When I was pregnant, I jumped on a relay team just so I could be still be a part of the weekend. Because right, because it's love, a fun weekend. Yes, I just love the vibe in OKC. And, and it's easy to get around in OKC. You know, being able to like go run your relay and then still get to the finish and cheer everyone and on. Cheer your and cheer your friends on. And run uh-huh. in with your team. Yep. So. Christy, what about you? What's your experience with OKC? My history with OKC, I've done the half probably seven times or so. And Recent history, I've been a coach and a cheerleader, uh-huh. and just which I'm got, sure is equally satisfying and fun. To it is so fun. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I seriously, I look and I'm like, I, I love being in this role. I, I like encouraging people. I like cheering for people, and I usually get on my bike, um, just tooled around the city, and just get on different spots to cheer and encourage and try to be where the pain cave usually is the entrance to the pain cave to uh, cheer people on and get them through. And so it's been fun, just a really fun time gathering and watching all our athletes come in. And I would say my fondest memories are not of me running. It's of me encouraging and helping people to um, do their best on that day. Yeah. And that embodies the spirit of the OKC Marathon mm-hmm. too, just that, you know, it takes a lot of people cheering along the way and going throughout the neighborhoods. Carly, so you've run Boston several times, correct? Actually, just once. Just once. Okay, yep, this sorry. This fall was sorry. my first. No. Oh, your first. So I, so I actually got to run it for the first time this fall. What's it like running Boston? It's everything everyone says. It's amazing. The crowd, the people, just like the whole city too. Just kind of like Oklahoma City. Everybody comes out. Everyone's excited for it. Everybody knows it's marathon weekend. It's amazing. I cried at one point like when the the Wellesley girls were yelling in the scream tunnel. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. This is it. I finally made it because I I did have to take about an hour off my marathon time. I was a 420 marathoner back in the day, and I'm now a 320 marathoner. So it didn't come natural. To no. So come- how, how'd you do that? <laughs> Started training smart. (laughs) I thought I was an athlete and I could just power through the marathon, but there's a lot more to it than that. So I had to learn how to fuel smartly. I had to learn how to train smart. I had to run 80% of my runs at an easy pace and then 20% of the time pick it up. A lot of that has come from Christy, I thank her, because yeah, I was working a little too hard the wrong way trying to run marathons. But once I met Christy, she kind of taught me the right way. And once things started to click, the time kept getting faster and faster. Right, right. So how do you compare OKC and Boston? You know, I love that both communities come out so big during the weekend and also just like the weekend feel, but they're both very hard courses. I would have thought that OKC, like I said, moving from where I came from, that it would be a flat race and pretty easy. But when people say they're doing the OKC marathon, I'm like, dang, awesome. Right. It's not just like, you know, a downhill marathon where you're going to get like five or 10 minutes off your time from just, you know, that slight downhill. It's, it throws some stuff at you. Christy, what do you enjoy about OKC? Well, I do like how the communities come out and, and support and, I like that it caters to runners of all speeds. And I do like that it's a challenging course. 
But to run well in Oklahoma City is a big deal. And I do think that a marathon course should challenge you. It shouldn't right. be easy. Right. If you're a marathoner, you're not leaning into something because it's easy, right? You're, you're going after something that's a pretty big accomplishment to cover 26.2 miles. And so this spring, what capacity will you all be? Will you run or will you coach? We will be coaching. We have a decent group of people running the half marathon and the full marathon. And so we'll be getting them busy, getting them ready, prepping them for the race weekend and being there for them. Hopefully after party, because that's always fun. <laughs> so yeah, mostly on a cheerleading and coaching front is yep. where, how we're showing I, I may jump in a relay, but that's to be determined. Because I could still do like a 5K portion and still get out there right, and cheer and for still everybody. still cheer along. So uh-huh. still kind of be a part of it. Yeah. So we're, we're relatively early in the training, early February. What advice do you have for people right now training? Gosh, I mean, the thing that we do more than anything is slow people down. So if you look at your goal distance, let's say you're shooting to run a four-hour marathon, and that's just shy of a nine-minute mile, your long runs, the majority of your runs should be at 10, 10 and a half minute pace. You should not be running a nine-minute pace very often, and that's contrary to how most people train. We have a finite amount of time to work out or to get those runs in. And most of us want to feel like we've done something. Yes. We want to feel like we've exerted ourselves. We've demanded something of ourselves. And I think that's what people are guilty of doing is they look at that run, and I want to get the most out of that run, and then move on. But if you finish a run and you don't think, I could do that exact same thing tomorrow morning, you've probably gone too hard. That's kind of a rule of thumb. That mm-hmm. If you can't wake up tomorrow morning and do what you just did, you've probably gone too hard. So slowing people down, getting them to embrace the fact that they don't need to run race pace every time they go out the door or faster than race pace. I would say that's the biggest thing. And then also, you're not going to always feel like running. Sometimes it takes the action before you get the feeling. You just need to get out the door and make it a goal to run five minutes. If, if I still feel like crud after five minutes, then Forget the run. Don't do it. The hardest thing is lacing up your shoes and getting out the door. Taking the first step. Or getting out of bed. We are a 5 a.m. heavy running community because most of us are either moms or dads or have careers or have demands that if we don't get it done then, then I call it my costume party. I'll dress like a runner all day and never get it done. Right. Carly, how would you offer advice to keep people motivated? You know, right now, I would say it just comes down to consistency, right? You can't rely on your motivation because you're not going to be motivated every single day. So just getting into a routine of just getting on those shoes every morning and just getting out there, trying to get, you know, five to 10 minutes in. Hopefully that turns into 20 or 30 minutes and you get your run in. But right now, when you're lacking that motivation, just think about how you want to feel on race day. If you want a PR or you want to see a time that you're proud of, what you do now is going to pay off at the end of April. And so that's just kind of got to be your motivation to get up and get those miles. Very true. Well, Carly and Christy, this has been really fun. I'll have to have a shout of Wahoo when I'm out on the course (laughs) this year. Before you all go, I would love for you to have our new in-training marathon shirts. Thank it you. Has, I love it. Yeah, it has the new uh, Memorial Marathon logo on it. Thank and you. Wear them with pride around the city. Get people excited Absolutely. about the race in April. Of course. These are hope, great. Yeah. We hope to see you there. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wahoo. <laughs> <laughs> Christy, Carly, thanks so much for joining me today. To learn more about Wahoo Running, visit wahoorunning.com or follow them on Instagram at Wahoo Run or Facebook at Wahoo Running. 
Well, I know everyone's excited for the Super Bowl this weekend, and that includes our next guest. Sarah Sherman Taylor is the wife of Cincinnati Bengals head coach and Norman native Zach Taylor. Sarah is also the daughter of an NFL coach and the sister-in-law of the marathon's very own Quincy Taylor. Sarah is a mom, a runner, and we're glad she's able to join us today along with race director Carrie Watkins and operations director Quincy Taylor. Thanks for being here. Thank you guys for having me. Who day? Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> oh, I, let's just say it every five sentences. What do you think? It yes, is so day. much He's fun. Awesome. Hey, thanks for being with us and what a season you guys have had. We're just glad you're joining us on this podcast the week before the big Super Bowl. Yeah, your life it's is crazy. exciting right now. It is. This is crazy. And it is like, of course, you know, every week in the regular season, besides bye week, you'll have a game every Sunday. So I'm like, am I going to be able to last two weeks? I don't know. <laughs> you can do it. Hey, I saw you a couple of weeks ago and you, you confirmed a rumor I had heard that you're actually registered and you're going to run the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon. Yes, I cannot wait. I've been running off and on for 20 years, maybe more. I've run four full marathons and I've run a half marathon at the three-month mark after each of my four children, but I have not run a full since pre-kids. So I was like, okay, if anybody can get me to do it, it's Quincy. It'll be fun. Good for you. We'll be glad to have you. So how in the world are you balancing that training plus the Super Bowl? Probably the thing about running that has done the most for me in the last 20 years is it's a big stress reliever for me. Like I'm kind of an anxious, high energy person. And if I'm like so anxious, I'm bouncing off the walls. An eight mile treadmill run will calm me down more than anything else. So I am a little nervous. I am not going to win this marathon. I have not gone above eight miles and I probably should have by this point, but I'm there for fun. And that's kind of how I've approached every race. I've had goals like under four hours, but other than that, I'm more just like, hey, just want to complete the race. Finish. Sarah, you're like yes. so, so many of the moms in our race. I mean, you've got four active kids, a very busy husband. You're an active athlete. You're a tennis player. How can moms keep all this in check as you're trying to balance it all out and, and keep your peace of mind and, and have a little me time as you run? That's a good one. That's a good question. Over the years when my kids were little and not in school yet, which now they are all four in school, so I really have no excuse. Don't tell anybody that. I would sometimes would split runs. Like I would do five in the morning before Zach went to work and then five later on in the day with my boys in like a double bob. I've always run with all my kids in strollers. I just got lucky. I just made them do it and they all never really complained. Over the years too, I've utilized gym memberships and daycare. And if you know you only have two hours in the kids daycare you guys got to go right up on that treadmill and get going <laughs> do you do a lot of running on the treadmill I actually probably do more on my treadmill I have a very lucky I have a peloton and it's like running on clouds mm -hmm. and um, right now in Cincinnati it's covered in snow outside so I actually like running outside more but the treadmill just seems to be more convenient with weather and I can still do it if the kids are home You've taught your kids to be athletes and how important really is exercise for the soul and the mind and the body? Why is that so important to you guys? Oh, if my boys are fighting or like, you know, just in bad attitudes, the first thing I say, whether it's January or May or August is go outside, just go outside and play. I think fresh air and that's what I always justified too when I would take them on an hour and a half double bob run in Miami, Florida and feel guilty. I'd say, okay, they're getting fresh air. They have snacks. They're not sitting in front of a TV. And I think the thing I would want them to say about me in 20 years is just that my mom liked to be active, to be healthy, and endorphins make people happy. Happy people don't kill don't people. kill people. <laughs> that's a that's a quote from Legally, Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
Why do you two blondes know that? Line? I know. Oh, who doesn't know that? I didn't know that line, but I'm happy glad people you guys don't do. kill their husbands. That's yeah. The, okay. Into this line. make you happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do your kids run? My best shot will be my Luke. He's my second boy. He's nine. And he plays right now kind of everything basketball. He played lacrosse last spring, flag football, but he is my fastest and doesn't seem to like love the sports with balls quite as much as my oldest. So I think he's my best shot is running cross country. Mm-hmm. That's what Christian's kids do. Yeah. I have a daughter who runs cross country. But oh, you know, that's like my dream. It's that's so sweet. Yeah. But it's kind of the same thing, Sarah. You know, I pushed her in a stroller and. Well, that was just kind of a time to get outside and get fresh air. And she's just watched me run all these years and finally just jumped in. And she's actually training for—she's 17, and she's training for the full marathon with me this <gasps> April. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. And she's going to run a full? She's going to run a full. That is amazing. We oh are officially gosh. signed up, so there's no turning back. Are you guys, like, similar pace, or will you run it together no matter what? We will run it together no matter what. She could run faster than— I can. Do Let it be said that they left Christian's <laughs> husband and her dad and kept running together this past year. We <laughs> might have left the him dust. in the dust, but <laughs> we won't bring that up. We, on we won't bring that up on this podcast, or maybe we will once or twice. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> hey, what will it mean to you to be back in Oklahoma? We think we'll be having a big parade for you while you're here too, as we celebrate the champs. But what will it mean for you to be back in Oklahoma, the home of the Taylor family, to run this run to remember? Um, this is just so cool. Like I think back. 15, 16 years ago when I first met Quincy. I mean, Quincy, what were you? Like, eight? You I mean, got, no. let's see, you guys got married. I remember it vividly because I was living 16 candles um, five days after my 16th birthday. So you guys okay. probably started dating just a few years before that. Yeah, we only dated for two years. So like my memory of you is just like total teen, like braces. And this is crazy. Like you have this amazing job now. And I think it's like one of those, well, I love feeling things like full circle that I get to come back and run supportive you. I just, it's so awesome. And it's kind of nice. I can stay at your parents' house and your mom can make me that butter cake. And that's probably what I should have the night before, right? <laughs> yeah, carbo loading. I, I will say it's awesome. As soon as I got connected with the memorial and then the marathon, I immediately reached out to Sarah, who I know is a runner, and said, hey, we're, we're having a marathon in April. I would love for you to come run. It'd be so fun. And she, without me even saying anything more, signed up. <laughs> she was part of like our early registration. So she was Johnny on the spot with that. So appreciative. And we have a yeah, kids so run lovely. on Saturday. So the kids can run on Saturday as well. You can do a little warm up on Saturday and run with your kids. Oh, I love that. So in quarantine, Luke would run with me and I would like research what's an appropriate amount that like an eight, seven year old can handle. He would like be able to sprint a mile and then like kind of fade out. But he would run a mile with me. Then we'd walk back to the house and then I'd go for another little run. And he was just pretty couldn't come with me. But I was always wondering, like, I didn't want to push him too hard. But Luke ran with me in quarantine a lot. That's great. We'll send you the stuff so after the ball game you can start. But they can run the last 1.2 miles on Saturday, and they can warm up a mile a week or a couple miles a week leading up to the race. And then a couple thousand kids run the last 1.2 miles on Saturday. And it's really an incredible opportunity for them to learn the story and what we're about and to, you know, to be the future of the running community. I love that. You've run some great races. Talk to us about some of your previous running. You ran 50 miles, I think, in 50 hours. Okay. So when I had run my, at that time, I think it only run three of my four marathons. I got it in my head that it was getting really trendy, you know, things like kind of go up and down in waves. And at that time it was just getting really trendy that even people that weren't big runners were doing marathons. So it just didn't feel as special anymore. You know, I like to be the most extra person in the room if possible. So I just got it in my head that I wanted to run an ultra. 
I was training for the ultra Cowtown. It's a 50 K. So I'd have to like do the math. I think it's something like between 32 and 33 miles. And during my training for that, the strength coach for Nebraska, I was dating Zach and he knew I was running that. He got wind that this insane guy named Dean Carnezis was coming to town and he asked him to come do motivational speaking to the football team. And he found out what day he was running his 50th. He was doing 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days. And his Nebraska one was in Lincoln. He got talking to him and it sounded like it was a pretty loose, like if you show up at the right time, you can run with this guy. There was like 15 of us, just random people that got wind of it and showed up and we ran his, I think it was like in the middle, it was like number 23. But if I didn't have that strength coach of Zach's connection, I would never have known. And luckily I was already in the middle of training for that ultra. So I got to run with Dean Carnezis and his Lincoln run. So this guy would just then after that run, get in an RV and go on to the next state. It's the most insane thing I've ever heard. Unreal. He was such a cool, friendly guy. And obviously he was a faster runner than me, but we pretty much stayed together as a group because he was all about what is going to be my Lincoln experience. So then he ends up writing the chapter in his book about Lincoln and I'm in it because during that run, I told him about dating Zach and my dad being a, at that time, he was still a head coach of the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, I get kind of shaky when I think about it. There's a documentary, there's a book. It's, that was an unbelievable experience. He went on to run 24 hours on a treadmill in New York City after that. He's done some crazy stuff, but he was so cool and just like such a nutcase, which I love. (laughs) Is he still around? Yeah. I haven't like looked at what he's done lately, but I followed him like intensely for like five, 10 years. And then I kind of trailed off when I have, when you have the fourth kid, you just just went treading water, you know? (laughs) I I still, I I was doing that at two. So I don't even know what you're, I can't even even relate. Sarah, what kind of crossover do you see between like, just kind of what you're experiencing right now in the NFL and then training for a marathon? What lessons do you learn in, you know, the life that you and Zach are leading that can apply to marathon training? One thing I love about running and then I always have, and I think it's why I latched on, is I was never the most athletic person in the room. In fact, probably one on the low 10% athletic-wise, but I loved it. I love playing sports. I'm playing tennis now intensely, but I was never the best naturally. And so what I love about running is I really believe it's half mental, if not more, especially marathons. Like most people train up to 23, 24 miles, but I get plantar fasciitis if I do that. So I never train more than 18 miles, but that last six to me, it's all mental anyway, you know, you're, if you're mentally in the right place, you're going to finish, you're going to finish the race. So I think comparing that to the NFL and getting through the last three years mentally, there were times I feel like Zach could have given up and just the way he stayed the exact same. And I love that. Like he's just the most mentally even keeled person I've ever met. And I think that's the main reason for his success. That's a tailored trait. Yeah. A whole family of of them. (laughs) Sarah, what else do you want to share about kind of your running journey? Like, what are highlights to you? When people ask, like, oh, why do you like long running? And I think I always go back to the mental part. Like, even if I'm not in the best shape that day or that year, anybody in the whole world could go out right now and run 10 miles. Anybody in the whole world could train for a marathon. You don't have to be the most athletic person. I just think it's so cool that it's for everyone and you can meet all different people. Like I'll never forget the first marathon I ran. There are people finishing way ahead of me that are, maybe they don't look the last most athletic, but it just shows you anybody can do this. I also think when you get to a marathon level, the community is so cool. People are like there for each other. I've seen countless videos of people carrying people through the finish line. 
it gets to be a really cool community because it's such an odd thing to do. Let's just go run 26.2 miles. (laughs) Now, have you ever been in Oklahoma on a marathon weekend? No, I don't know. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, because you will really, like that community that you're talking about, you will see it in full effect and in Oklahoma City. Especially because this is not just the Houston Marathon. You're honoring something right. really cool. So I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah when, when you start running the race and you see the banners of the 168 names, and as you come into the finish line, you, you see their faces. It, it becomes very real. And runners talk about that's really inspirational to them as they cross the finish line. And the other really oh, that's cool. cool thing that you'll have to look forward to that almost every single person who's spoken on our podcast is talked about is that we start with 168 seconds of silence. And it is just one of the most powerful and meaningful experiences that you'll have before you start the race. That is so cool. I can't wait for that. I think I actually did know that when I signed up, I like was reading about it and stuff. Uh-huh. That's really cool. Yeah. So you do know most of Oklahoma has become Bengals fans, and we're pulling for you guys. And uh, it's a big week in your house. How are you uh, handling all this? Well, I think I'm still in like the disbelief stage, even though I truly like have felt in my heart since the beginning of the season that there is something really special about this team. And it just like I get emotional because I'm so proud of Zach. And I can't think of anybody else in the whole world that deserves it more. He's just worked so hard and stayed so consistent. He's the best guy. And I'm just so happy for him that people get to see this side. It was a long two years when we were bad, but I look back and we wouldn't have Joe Burrow or Jamar Chase if we didn't have to go through that. And our family has gotten closer than ever. And I just am in disbelief that this is where we are. And everywhere I go, it's just crazy. Our entire street has signs, Who Day Nation. Our neighbors spray painted all up and down the street. Thank you, Coach Who Day. And everywhere you go, it's just electric. It's so exciting. Well, it's pretty exciting around here. Taylor is the headline in the sports page every day. And it's pretty fun to watch. And I think there's a lot of I personally have never worn orange and black, so you guys have made progress with me there. And uh, I have seen a lot of orange and black. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We're, we're all softening up here. The right. Sooner Nation is wearing some orange and black. It's kind of interesting. But anyway, we're all into orange and black right now, and we're very proud of, of you guys. We're cheering for you guys. Well, I'll tell you what. I lost my tennis match last week, and then we won this past Sunday. So maybe that's what I'm telling you. It's your sign, It's Sarah. a good sign. It's a good sign. <laughs> You need to do everything the exact same. Keep the faith. I've had the same earrings on for the entire playoff run, and I'm not taking them off. (laughs) They call you the queen of Cincinnati for a reason, and we're really honored that you came on today and gave us some time. (laughs) We're really looking forward to seeing you in April, and until then, good luck, and we'll be cheering for the Bengals. We will be cheering. Thank you. It was an honor to be with you guys. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah. For this week's course segment, I'm honored to be joined by both race director Carrie Watkins and Justice Noma Gurich. She is only the third female justice to serve on the Supreme Court of Oklahoma. Justice Gurich, Carrie, thank you for joining us today. Great to be around the table with you ladies. It's wonderful to be part of this. Yes. Okay, so can we start off? Can you just tell us a little bit about your background? Are you from Oklahoma? If not, how'd you get here? My mother was from Oklahoma. My father was stationed at Fort Sill during World War II. They met, got married, and they moved to Indiana, where he was from. And I grew up in northern Indiana. I was born in South Bend, in the shadow of Notre Dame. I stayed in Indiana, had a lot of connection with family here in Oklahoma. My grandmother lived in Anadarko. And so after I went to college in Indiana State, I applied to OU Law School. And lo and behold, I got into OU Law and the first time I saw the law school was the first day of law school. 
<laughs> and so now, fast forward, you live in Oklahoma City, and you are here to talk to us about Jefferson Park. So can you tell us a little bit about Jefferson Park, kind of describe where it is and describe the neighborhood for those listening who might not know exactly where it is located? Well, if they know where the Blue Note is, that's <laughs> Jefferson Park. Our neighborhood runs from Northwest 23rd to Northwest 30th along Robinson. It goes west over to Walker. And a lot of people in multiple family housing, there's a number of older apartments, single family housing, two fairly large parks, a good home park. And then we have a little smaller park called Sparrow Park. The neighborhood was a suburb of Oklahoma City, and it was developed by Mr. Goodhome and Mr. Sparrow in 1903. And we are just about three blocks off the main drag of the Paseo. So it's really a very interesting neighborhood. Were you aware that you were on the marathon course? No, it never even crossed my mind. And we moved in on April 1st. And on the Sunday morning, the marathon ran. We we were getting ready for church when we happened to notice all these runners. And we went outside and watched and there were more and more and more runners. And we checked. And of course, it was Oklahoma City Marathon. And it was just like this epiphany, like, oh my gosh, we're right here on the course. We can't let another year go by without doing something. Were you involved with the marathon before you lived in Jefferson Park? Yes, I was in the first year. I volunteered as a course monitor, and I was actually at the corner of Robinson and Northwest 23rd. I mean, you talk about foreshadowing. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to live up the street from there. But I ran the New York City Marathon in 1987. It was the only time I ever ran a marathon. My goal was four and a half hours, and I was 4.43, so I was really close to my goal. Remarkable. One of my really— I know, that's yeah, very impressive. It was—well, I was, you know, half the age I am now, but— That's um, still remarkable. Yeah. It was such a great experience. I ran with my senior partner in my law firm and one of our associates, and— there was a really good friend of mine that was part of our group that went to New York, and her name was Susan Farrell. And she uh, later lost her life in the bombing. And so I felt like when the Memorial Marathon started in memory and honor of those lives, that her connection to me in New York seemed to be why I needed to stay connected. Sure. So I have that kind of history with the marathon. Also, my husband, John Miley, was an OU cross-country track guy, and he actually participated in the 1980 uh, Olympic marathon trials. Really? So he was a real marathon runner. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. That's great. <laughs> it's a great tidbit. So I, that's our background. Yeah, yeah. And so then Jefferson Park, it's early on in the marathon mm -hmm. path. People will pass you pretty early in the morning. So tell me about your planning for the day. So we've done this a few years. Only one year since we've lived there was the course slightly off, and it was a block west of us where it didn't come on Robinson. And they and weren't happy, Harvey. by the way. You weren't happy with that. No, we were not <laughs> so happy. We, we listened to you, Justice. We changed it back. Yeah, and we knew that those little funny turns there, it was difficult for the runners. So we were really happy when it came back to right. our block. I'm long to the downtown Qantas Club, and we started doing this as a watch party for the marathon it was 14 or 15 that we started doing the watch party. It was a year or two before the big storm, so it was probably about 2014, I'm guessing. And we have a friend from the Qantas Club named Fletcher Williams, and he brings his truck and set up for tailgate parties on 28th Street. So he's got music and lights, and we have people that start gathering about 6 in the morning, and we start pulling all our stuff out get out, of course, all the Mickey Mouse hands, and uh -huh. get ready for it. And then people start arriving. We try to get people there by the time the first runner is coming through, 7.15, 7.30, that time frame. We have other people from the neighborhood gather. We invite everybody along the street, and then people invite people. We want to encourage people. 
and we love it. And we slap hands with people with our Mickey Mouse hands. Yeah, so tell me about the Mickey Mouse hands. What's the story behind that tradition? So my sister lived in Southern California near Disneyland, and John, my husband, and I were course monitors a few years out at Lake Hefner. And my sister decided that we needed Mickey Mouse hands because they're white and people could see them and we could be directing traffic through the lake area when the marathon still was at the lake area. So over the years, we started this marathon watch party and people really liked the Mickey Mouse hands. So I started getting extra sets and then people started bringing extra sets and I now have nine pairs of Mickey Mouse hands. And do people give you high fives with they them? They do. Yep. They do. And when the firemen would come through, we would slap hands. This year, I think people were so glad to have the marathon back that, I mean, everyone just seemed joyful yes. that, that ran by. And they were so appreciative of us being there and cheering them on and having music and dancing and all of that. Uh-huh. And then you made reference to a year that there was a big storm. Can you tell me a little bit about the storm? And how your neighborhood handled that and how they came together? On a Friday evening, we had a huge windstorm that came through, and it took out all of our electricity in the whole neighborhood all along Robinson and all along Jefferson Park. There was so much wind debris and tree damage that the streets were filled. And Saturday morning, we got up early, and we were out in the streets clearing everything because we knew that intersection, and, and we had heard from someone that the marathon was still going to be run. So we pretty much cleared our 28th Street in Robinson and up and down there. It was April 2017. It was really one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. I I was staying downtown Friday night and got up very early when I heard the storm and went to the memorial. And my security director and I got in the car and started driving the course. And Jefferson Park really was one of the worst hit. And no power. To see you guys out there at 6 or 6.30 in the morning was remarkable. I went to an emergency management meeting with the city at about 10 that morning. Everybody wanted to make sure it happened. The fairgrounds was out of power. There was a huge event going on out there. The arts festival was underway. They didn't have power. The work OG&E did, I'll never, ever get over. Those folks worked night and day really to get us power and to get the race. Had the people of Jefferson Park not done what they did, I'm not sure everyone would have felt the, the urgency to make sure the race went on. They were out there cleaning the streets. We sent landscaping crews, everyone we could get to work, all over the course. And Jefferson Park had it done. By the time we got a landscaping crew there, they all had everything cut and piled up. And we've got pictures of it somewhere. It really was remarkable. That's amazing. The time I came back from the emergency management meeting, I drove back to Jefferson Park. And I was like, you guys aren't going to believe this, but these folks have this done. And and we had, we had decided in that meeting the race would go on with the help of the city and og and so many people. But the work of the neighborhoods did, I won't ever forget it. So the, the year we moved, of course, it irritated me too, Justice. And I'm like, these are the people who saved the race when it could have sure. been canceled. Right. And it took a lot of hard work, chainsaws and rakes and shovels. I'll never forget this. I was in an og truck because they asked me to ride with them and show them the areas that were critical. And we went to Jefferson Park first, and Justice Gurridge banged on the window and said, well, this race has to continue. I don't know if you remember that. But this race has to happen. Let's do whatever it takes to do it. And it's kind of in that spirit that I think that neighborhood functions in so many ways. And it really is a comeback neighborhood of our city that had so much great history in it. Just to be able to take runners from Oklahoma who don't know the history and from outside of Oklahoma through Jefferson Park is really one of the best parts. But when they meet you guys, it makes it's like the icing on the cake. Yeah. It sounds like that one year kind of sums up your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I think that's right, because it it did. It took 
We had several people with their chainsaws in the park, mm-hmm. and we were on the area where we were and working toward the park, and that's kind of— you literally, you literally could not hardly drive yeah. down the street. That's there was unbelievable. So, there was, I mean, everything was then piled up on the sure. on the side so that we could make sure everybody got through safe. Was, you think about just on a perfect day all that goes in mm-hmm. to make the marathon happen, but then on a day where you have a natural disaster, to have that and have your neighborhood come together to make sure that this race still took place is amazing. You have a very close knit neighborhood. Obviously, would you say that this race has brought you all closer together? Oh, I think so. I I really do. We know that it's coming through. We talk about it. We plan for it. Yeah, it gives us a purpose. And what's your just absolute favorite part of race day? When you see hundreds of people running straight to you, (laughs) (laughs) because it's kind of an incline coming down, and you see all of these runners, and I know from having done it and, and understanding how much preparation goes into it, and to see them coming toward us and know that we are are cheering them on and brightening their day and we're there for them. We are there for that purpose because we believe in this city, because we want to encourage people. And we know it's a reward for hard work. And people are just happy to see somebody there waiting for them, cheering them on. And it, it's just wonderful. That's well, the greatest feeling. I'm always feeling. glad to see the the Mickey Mouse hands. And now I'm, I'm— Now you know why. Now I know why. You, now it'll even have more meaning behind the story. I'll be— Do you think of Susan Farrell when you're standing there? I do. I do. I love her family. Her Great sister family. became a judge and— mm-hmm. Lincoln County, and so I've been I've been friends with her for a lot of years. You know, we said at the time, we'll never forget, and we haven't. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the best part of it. Thanks so much, Justice. Thanks for all you and your neighbors do and, and yes. your fellow Kualanians. I'll be excited to see your Mickey Mouse hands on Marathon Day, Marathon Weekend. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Well, that does it for episode five. If you want your own in-training shirt, visit okcmarathon.com and hit the shop button. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. The Run to Remember runs the weekend of April 22nd through the 24th. Be sure and sign up today. We'll be back next week with a lineup that includes Dave Hager with Devon Energy, trainer Chris Brinkley from Yukon Runners and Walkers, Jane Jenkins with Downtown OKC, and Pastor Tony Wise and Pam Ramsey from Voice of Praise Baptist Church. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Kristen Fairs, and we'll see you next week. Mama.